Hello, Seraphim. This is Dicax, your host for the Voice of Seraphim. Welcome to episode 14, Potato Salad, recorded on February 19th, 2011. The Voice of Seraphim is your source for all the news and information related to Magic Online and the Seraphim Clan. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the recent and upcoming tournaments, this month's league, action, the third set in the Scars block, and we'll do a mirrored and besieged crack-a-pack. As you can tell from our intro song, we have a special guest this week, Pastafarian. In addition, Scorch Slasher, Avenged, and Easy Pickings are joining us for this episode of The Voice of Seraphim. So let's get started. So this is episode 14 of The Voice of Seraphim. We've got a few people joining us today. Why don't we have a round of introductions? Dark. Dark. <laughs> I'm a dark worship. Uh, been in the clan forever. Yeah. This is Easy Pickens. This is Elder Song, Clan Captain. The uh, Advanced 44, Normal Raider, all around cool guy. And I'm the Pastaparian, American Maiden, duty free. <laughs> hey, look, it's a rooster. Song, we are initiating a Bluetooth for Homeless program. Oh shit, yeah. I hear a zombie. Really? Yeah, and uh, we're at, we need some web support. We're trying to reduce the stigma of mental illness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm running around here trying to avoid whatever zombies near me. Potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be more worried about the mental illness around here. So, so anyway. Song, are you ready to start recording now? If you are, we'll get started. If not, we'll... Not. Hold off, do you need to take a shower? I'll be fine. Get a drink of water, some Gatorade... Some G2. I've got some water right now. I bought some uh, shampoo today. Congratulations. That's another thing we should do is put healthcare products in all gaming stores. Instead of our health food, instead of the candy bars and bags of chips they always sell. Trying to make us fat. Okay, you guys want to record a podcast? So the first thing is, before we get started, is that you can find the show notes, the complete show notes in the forum under Podcast Mailbox. Sweet. So if you're joining us on the podcast and would like to see those, that's where to go. So I thought we'd start with, obviously, Mirrodin Besieged pre-release and see who got a chance to join a pre-release and how it went for you. Mm, Nice notes. Is this strictly um, for Magic Online pre-releases or either one? You can talk paper. That's fine. Oh, how about we ask, how about we ask them what they what team they went, what team they joined or what team they favored? I played one this morning and I played on the mirror inside. What? I'm Phyrexian. Yeah, Mirren was definitely my favorite side. Um, just really just because of the colors, you know, much more prone to those colors. I, I swing both ways. Easy. Poor Easy didn't get to play in any pre-releases. Oh, that sucks. Pasta. Pasta's a moderate. Yep, played one of each. Independent. Well, I played Phyrexian both times. Second time, I went 3-1 with that Hydra. All the way. Yeah, you stole some sick wins in that. I watched some of your replays that that, uh, pre-release. Yeah, how many of us were there? There was myself, you, and Scorch. Three of us? Yep. And I guess and, uh, Dark had joined his own. Like, yeah, Dark, you were in a... 
pray with somebody else too, weren't you? Yeah, I played uh, Phyrexia in my first pre-release, went two and two. Um, I had opened the Black and Green Zeniths and also the Lifesteal Colossus. Wasn't really anything fancy. The prize pack I got from that one, though, opened a Tezzeret, so that was pretty awesome. And then, uh, second one, I played Mirren, went two and two. Uh, only thing good that came out of that one was a uh, Sword of Feast and Famine. Didn't uh, another clan member join you in one of those? Uh, yeah, I had Joey with me on the first one, and he also finished two and two. I don't think he really had anything decent. How did things end up going for you, Pasta? Uh, bad when I went Mirren, and then two two when I went Phyrexia. As far as polls. Nothing uh, to speak of from Besiege, but I got a Venture sort of body and mind and a Koth between the two. Sweet. That six get pasta? Yes. <laughs> You're lucky I already have a full set. I hold you to that promise. <laughs> I would have adhered to it, too. I played a normal seal the other day, at, like, you know, as the pre-release is over, as, of um, Siege or whatever, and I was destined to go red, I ended up pulling a um, Hero Audox Rig, however you pronounce it, and a Cough, and an Art, art Trail too, so yeah, red was definitely calling my name, that one. Nice. What was that Hero Oxy Rig? He is <laughs> <laughs> a truck driver. It's a cleaning product, like OxyClean. He's all that and more. <laughs> no, no rip of seriously. That guy is pretty um beast and um and um limited. I'm sure he'll be beast and um standard as well. Yeah, actually, I had some, when I was playing my seal today, somebody played him against me. It was just disgusting how much damage he got in one turn. But like a couple of Battlecry guys and that Oxid Ridge hero out just got him like 16 damage in one turn. And same same thing with Hero Blade. I mean, she doesn't have haste, so she's not a surprise, but she definitely changes the game in just one swing. So, Song, did you get any uh, nice pulls? Not really. Um, the the best rare I got was I got a White Sun Zenith. How about your record? Oh, it was pretty terrible. I did. I got. I was. I went one and three. Anyway, I recorded the entire thing, so you can watch me fail miserably that way if you want when I post it up there. Anyway, but uh, I pulled wasn't that. Wasn't that amazing? That's why sealed is so tough. It, it really is quite luck dependent. But overall, though, I think it was pretty sweet, and I, I love I loved casting White Sun Zenith. That is such an awesome card. Oh, it is. I picked up a place that my card shop for like a dollar, uh, you know, just because I had to. Because I know that card is going to see some play sooner or later. Some kind of control deck or blue white variant. It has to. I mean, that just like I was playing it, and you get a, like like five or six two twos at the end of the your opponent's turn, and just swing for like a million the very next turn. It's just so crazy. So I was going to ask how many how many cat tokens did you get in one uh, white sun zenith cast? I think I think I got five. Was the highest I ever got. That's crazy. Well, you know the what, what was the problem though? Is I never did get, get to cast it twice since the same game. Which would have been pretty sweet. Even though I did draw it twice, one one match, I just never got to cast it twice. I was trying to make like a, a battle cry deck, red white, but it didn't work out that way. 
So who's been building decks? I'd like to know who mm. built a top eight deck from the Pro Tour Paris. I did not build a top eight Pro Tour Paris deck, but I did build my own homebrew night deck, and it's been doing pretty well. I like it. It's quite quite efficient, quite um, aggroish. Well, Dicex, me and you have one of the top eight decks. We do. Yeah, uh, Green-White Quest. Oh, yeah. No, I made the Quest deck, and I made um, the Boros, because I didn't have to add too much to what I had to do that. So, In fact, I'm going to play the Quest deck for uh, game day. Yeah, my meta game is pretty much dominated by Boros and blue-white equipment right now. Cobblade. What did you say, Amazon? Cobblade, the new uh, name for uh, the Cogo deck. I think it's just silly. There was also a green-white variant of it at the table the other day, which was pretty interesting. And I know Dark is brewing. Yeah, I've got a... Oh, jeez. Um, Tezzeret Machines. It's not as much control, but more like tossing out a lot of artifacts, and you got the Forge Master to pull out, like, single whatever you need. And then I've got a, the Shape Anew into the Colossus deck which is more of a black-blue control build. How are you finding your classes with Shape Anew? It's actually done pretty well. I mean, uh, I think I could tighten up the list a little bit, but um, its real big problem is against aggro decks, and so I've made about half the sideboard more removal and stuff. You running Master's Call on that um, in the Shape Anew deck? Master's Call? No, it's uh, blue-black. Oh, okay. The match I played when you were with you when you were playing that shape anew, you got that Colossus out turn three. Yeah, uh, I run a single chalice to shape anew off of. So uh, if I have the chalice and the shape anew in my opening hand, turn two, if I feel confident that I don't have removal for it, I can drop the chalice with a charge, turn three, shape anew, turn four, swing with the Colossus. It's the beat down. It hurts. Alright. Playing anything else? Hey, could you imagine? You know what a nice combo with, with Blightstone Colossus is? is Mortipod, or however you pronounce it, that living um, weapon equipment. Just second, does damage. Oh, it only does one damage, but still. You get an attack weapon to do that. So. I wouldn't call that a combo, though. No, not really a combo, but nice interaction. Anybody playing anything else? I made my first commander deck. Thank you. My newest Thank commander you. deck I've only had a chance to play once, I think. I need to play commander more. Well, we should play after this. We should. I made a new blue-white commander deck. It's not really great. And also made some revises to my mono-red commander deck. Alright. One, one that certain people in the clan don't like. Oh, your red deck? <laughs> yeah. It did. It did make the uh, game a little shorter than your average commander game. That's me. Get things done quickly. All right. Well, I was just curious what everybody's playing. So now we'll discuss Seraphim events. So uh, last night was the classic popper tournament. Yes, it was, and we actually had. I think we had eight people last night. Oh, pasta is so close, so close. Yep, bad draws and facing good decks destroy me. What happened to you, pasta? What did you play? 
Uh, Stumpy. What was Osric playing? Affinity. Yeah, Osric and I were actually playing the same deck that we, or I think he had a couple different cards in his, maybe about two or three different cards, but pretty much the same deck. Alright, and the next tournament is Build Your Own Standard. That will be Saturday, February 26th at 4pm Seraphim Time. Join us then. The Build Your Own Standards are always fun. There's something. Alright, and the Odyssey, Odyssey Block League is going on right now as we speak. Yep, so far we've got 17 people signed up, and it's going. I think it's going pretty well. People seem to be enjoying the Odyssey block. Uh, so this Monday, the, the next pack is going to be sent out. It'll be sent out to your PMs, and there'll be 15 cards in that you're going to add to your sealed pool. In order to kind of uh, diversify your deck a bit more, add a few new cards if you need to. Uh, and so just to let everybody know, the registration is still open. Uh, it's open for the entire month, so there's no reason why you couldn't join the league now if you wanted to. You're only going to be maybe a week behind, plus you have the three other weeks to, you know, make that up. So there's no reason why, if you still haven't signed up yet, you can still do that and not really face that much of a penalty. Sweet. I was trying to see which block is next, but we're in the first week of Odyssey, right? So. Yeah, still the first week. So we'll cool our jets in the next one. Yeah, we still have a bit of time. And on the forums... We're still looking for an activity officer. No, that's correct. I still haven't had anybody message me yet, but we still do need an activity officer. And really, the job's not that hard. It just takes a bit of time, maybe a couple of hours here and there, a few times a month, uh, just to compile some of the information. So really not that difficult. Uh, but hopefully I get somebody that'll be able to take that on because it just it would be a really big help. So if you're uh, interested in giving that a shot, you can send me a PM on the forums or in-game. And I can let you know more about what you have to do if you were to help out like that. So here's your chance to contribute to the clan. Become an activity officer today. So let's uh, take a ch price check. Tezzeret's about, what is he, like 40 now? Uh, 48, 50. So quite expensive. Wait, what did you say is that? 48, 50. On MTGO Traders. Man. I'm pretty happy then. I got all mine for a uh, 42. Yeah, I imagine though he'll probably go down to about where Cop is in a couple months. Possibly. Oh, yeah, though <laughs> I could be wrong. I think it depends if the third set really has some strong artifacts, then he'll he'll go up and stay up being the artifact guy. It, I think it also depends how they do the the draft format after release. If they keep the Triple Mirrodin Besiege drafts open, I think he'll stay at a reasonable price. If they close those down and just make, make you draft one Mirrodin Besiege pack per draft, like Mirrodin Besiege and two Scars, then I think his price could potentially be a lot higher. And I think just the fact that he was in the top eight in, pro, in a Pro Tour is going to make his price be pretty high. Uh, but then again, like there are, there are quite a few Planeswalkers that were in the top eight, like Elspeth, Venzer, uh and Gideon that aren't really that overpriced. Gideon did shoot up quite a bit because of the Pro Tour show. Yeah, it's up to 31 bucks. Yeah, he'll probably cool down though and go back to about where he was, around 20-something. I just couldn't resist picking up my Tezzerets because ever since uh, I saw Chaplin's uh, Machine Red deck, I've been in love with the Machine and Stoneforge Mystic is about 11 bucks, 13 bucks. One thing to mention is uh, Thrun, the last troll. 
He's taken quite a bit of a dive during this pre-release weekend. I'd actually like advise people to pick up the set of him if you can while he's pretty cheap, because I'm pretty sure he's going to see some play. 1450 is cheap? For a mythic. What do you think he'll hit? I mean, look at Vengevine. That's like a 30-something right now. I could see I could see Thrun being that kind of a card. See, I don't think he'll reach quite that high. I think he'll be more than the 1450, but the legendary stipulation on him cuts him back just a tad. Force of Will is 108 bucks. For all the legacy players in here. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting until it hits 150 before I sell my stockpile. <laughs> exactly. Chase is at 96. Wow. Get a foil for 130 bucks. Yeah, I'm ready for Jace to rotate out of standard. Scourge wants to enter the podcast room. Scourge, did you play in a pre-release? Oh, yeah, you did. Played with us. We were talking about pre-release earlier. <laughs> ah. Yeah, sorry I'm late to the party. As long as you brought a 12-pack, you're good. Did you get any po- good pulls from your Mirrored and Besieged pre-release? I got a Hero of Bladehold. Pretty good. Alright, so moving on to Magic News. The uh, Besieged release event begins on Monday, February 21st. Does that? I feel like it would have to wait till Wednesday for the packs to become available. Packs will be in the store on Monday. Unless they're doing it different than the event start on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Good point. So, Mirrodin, you're right. It goes on sale Monday, and the release events start on Wednesday. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Dykex, anytime, man. We're always glad to correct you. Thank you. That's how your real friends do it, in front of your face. And a song I wanted to bring the wallpaper of the week to your attention. It's Silver Skin Armor. I noticed that. I actually had it as my desktop background for a few days. Well, for more, well, not, I guess not a few days, but for most of yesterday. Until we what? saw the rainbow uniform one we had to have. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I switched it out for the Mirrored in the Siege pre-release back, uh, wallpaper. Which one is that? Uh, the one that shows the Mirrens on one side and the Phyrexians on the other side, and they're fighting each other. And it's like a really epic like scene in the background with like two people like highlighted against the sun. Anyway, it's crazy. So are the intro packs we're talking about? The what's-its? The intro packs. Um, I just wondered if there's one that's really particularly strong or worth picking up. I've seen I've seen that someone playing with the red red white one, the um Battlecry slash Metalcraft one. It's actually pretty good. Um, it's got some interesting stuff in it. Got like men mites. It's got a couple of men mites in it and some um, really efficient bell cry guys in it. I think those intro decks for the most part are just cheaper to buy from box, just as a rule. All right. Did you guys see the event decks? I did. All right. Did you guys see the action spoiler? Uh, I believe are you talking about the the two cards this well. Yeah. Yes, I did see those as well. No, I did not. Well, since you didn't, I'll read it off to you. It's Suture Priest, one and a white. She is a 1-1 cleric. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, guess what? You may gain one life. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, 
you may have that player lose one life. He's like a oh, soul sister. Are you talking about the action cards? Yeah, Suture Priest. It's just like, what, what was the rarity on this? It appears to be common, but who knows? What they're doing is they're showing um, one card from New Phyrexia and one card from Mirrodin Pure, only one of which will actually be the third set. But both yeah. those cards will be in the third set regardless. Yeah. Which to me is kind of really. <laughs> yeah. Fill in the blanks there for me, guys. What do you mean? They have the set pegged out as it's going to be, and the name, I guess, will be decided by whatever it is that's doing the decision-making. I mean, they already have the name decided, so they're just holding us in suspense now. They want us to fight it out, even though no matter what we do as the players, they've already got their decision like set in stone. I think they're kind of... I guess it doesn't bother me, but it's kind of ironic about this preview is that they're showing cards... Like, they're saying that one of these cards is from New Pyrexia and one of these cards is from Mirrored Impure. But, the, but like, they also said in this, like, release that both of those cards are going to be in the final set anyway. So it's not like, you're, you know, we're only going to see one of these two cards. We're going to see them both. We're just going to have different set symbols depending on which set the third one actually is. Yep. Yeah, the, the final set's already, it's finalized. Yeah, but one of these cards is from a set that hasn't been released yet. And the others from a set that doesn't exist. So one of these cards will well, not be in the third set. No, that's incorrect. One of those cards will not be in the set with the expansion symbol that's on it. Yep. Are you sure? Because Mark Rosewater tweeted that there would be no infect in the third set. Look at look at like, read the spoiler again. Yeah, it says note that both cards are actually in action, but one of them won't be printed with the expansion symbol you see here. I love to talk about the second one. I'm curious now. Um, yeah, so that's, to me it's kind of a bummer because you're like, okay, well, they're not really making you choose between New Phyrex, I mean, New Phyrex here, Mirrored and Pure because either way, both these cards are going to be in the set. So what's the point of, like, teasing us like that? I mean, it's not really even a tease anymore. Yeah, it is weird. They could have done that so much better. They could have played that up so much better. That's what it, it has it been determined what the, all you're fighting for is the name of the last set. It, will it be called Mirren Whatever New Phyrexia? You th That's all that the. You think? It's just a name? I laugh if it affects the author for the backstory. They've got two authors that both worked on either storyline. Someone's <laughs> not getting their stipend. They won't. They won't. already decided the storyline. We're not actually fighting for the name. Like, we're not doing anything. They've already decided the name. They already know which set it's going to be. We're just pretending. They just have us pretending. Well, that's what I'm saying is the, the set is the set. That's finalized. We're deciding the name of the set. Is it Mirren Pure or New Phyrexia? Well, actually, well, I guess... Well, I guess well, well, I'm just between the authors the that do the backstories, though. Nothing to do but, with the card set. One of those things is that they've already decided the name, too. We don't, we don't decide the name at all. I got you. Eldritch is pissed. <laughs> I just think the whole thing is like smoke and mirrors, you know what I mean? Like, they sit there and they say, like, you got these two facts. I wonder how many people are going to stop playing Magic because of that. I don't well, I don't think anybody, but I just think if you're going to, like, pretend... I mean, they got this whole, like, this whole thing, like, they're going to have us battle it out with, you know, us choosing factions and allying ourselves with one of these two different, whatever, Mirrodin or Phyrexia, but in the end, they've already got everything decided, even the name of the set, so we're just, like, 
kind of pretending and not really affecting anything at all. I'm going to correct you. I, I don't think this is as sophisticated as smoke and mirrors. It's a real drag. <laughs> it's a real I mean, they could have, I don't know. I, I'm not in PR, but I think they could have done this better. Yeah. Well, I think the, the initial thought was there's going to be two separate card sets created, but I mean, they, I think if you go back to the podcast, we talked about it, that that's just not functional at a development state to put that much time, money, and effort into doing two sets, and we were questioning it back then. Well, cl- clearly, it, but, I mean, it's stupid to say, you know, oh, okay, we're going to have a war league, you choose your faction, you know, and then say, oh, but it's really all decided, it's already all decided, when they could have just kept that going by not saying, well, we've already decided, so... I mean, they could have done a much better job in terms of promoting the game if they just kept that to themselves. Yeah, I mean, exactly. The the whole league faction stuff, that's kind of cool, but like some call it smoke and mirrors, and you ask to call it something simpler to marketing ploy is what it is. I mean, I guess, I, mean, I, think, I think there are ways that could have actually made it so the players could determine what set it was. Like, I can see how they could have a certain core number of cards, and then maybe you've designed an extra 20 or so that could rotate out depending on, like, what the players decided, who won the, who, you know, who won the war, instead of having to redesign an entire set. Or even just, like, Scourge was saying, like, I already have a set made, and then just change the backstory depending on which faction won. There's lots of ways they could have done it besides the way they did it. I think that's maybe what we're saying. Well, guys, I don't think I think we're seeing a story unfold. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, you don't like you don't dislike the middle of a book because the back pages and the ending have already been written. So we're just in the middle of a, a story they're trying to tell. And even though our our actions don't really change the story, just like reading the book doesn't change the story, it's still a, a creative way to bring us into a something that feels alive. Well, I, you know, I agree with you, but a book never tries to convince you that you actually have a method of influencing it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what they kind of make you feel like with this storyline, that you can choose a side and actually influence the outcome of the war where actually you can. It's already been decided. This with a book, you know that there's nothing you can do. The words are already written. I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Like, it's, it's cool that, and I don't disagree with any of the storyline stuff, however they choose to do that, but just that whole making it seem like there was going to be a way to change the uh, course of events was a little misleading. Yeah, okay, so let's say they did this. Let's say they just didn't tell you that there was just going to be one set, and they just let it play out. You know, they have a set, obviously, but they just let it play out in the stores and online the way it's going to play out, but they still, you know, I mean, they present the third set, but they don't tell you that they don't ever tell you you had no influence over it you know i can see how but i mean i just think there's some pitfalls to that like in case like some like giant player movement actually did advocate strongly one particular set like it, like maybe everybody rallied together and really said we want new phyrexia and they came like an overwhelming response and they'd already chosen to do mirrored and pure then i can see how that'd be a problem without some kind of disclaimer beforehand see is that the way it's going to go down though i mean are they going to completely ignore those results? The way I'm seeing it going down is still just on the whole name of the set. Let's say all these league results and whatnot, Phyrexia is 
what it comes to be. Uh, they had, Wizards had planned to make it, hmm. had planned to make it mirrored and pure, and but Phyrexia wins. So let's just keep the same cards that we had, and we're going to call it New Phyrexia. Now you've only got two months till or three months till print. You're not going to. You need more lead time than that to print all the boxes and all the display materials. It's in the boxes ready hmm. to go. Yeah. And I think a problem with that would just be that if they actually did it like that, I mean, I think at the end of the set, like, we have this final set where it's either New Phyrexia or Mirrored and Pure. You're going to have to have, like, a 70-30 split with either, with, like, Phyrexians over Mirrored and cards. And then it'd be kind of hard to just, like, change the symbols out and still keep the same flavor. Fascinating. So then you, so you think, uh, are any of these results being tallied on which factions won? If... They were to do it that way, isn't there going to be a little bit of an outcry from the opposing faction if they were statistically the winning faction? I think, I mean, I think that would be possible, but it's not, I mean, I don't, I think most people know that the set's already been decided because, of, I don't know, I've read a lot of Mark Rosewater interviews, I'm not sure whether the casual player actually does do that, but he's mentioned, like, a lot of times that the set's already been decided. I don't know how they're going to handle the final PR. Even though, I think, probably in general, I would say they're not, there's not too much of a worry of that happening because I think Meriden, I think the factions are pretty evenly split anyway. Well, so what's everybody's guess is the next set then? Is Meriden pure what you're thinking? I'm thinking that they're going to go with New Phyrexia just from the standpoint of that's been their antagonist since the beginning. And they don't want to off their major moneymaker. Yeah, I think it's going to be New Phyrexia. I say that because we're seeing Infect go into red and white, which was predominantly Mirren. I think, yeah, I think I agree that it'll probably be New Phyrexian just because if it was Mirrodin pure, I mean, we've already got a Mirrodin set. We've already gone, we've already gone pure Mirrodin. I think probably they're going to try to go in a different direction than they usually go to. Because, like, I think most people have observed, they typically tend to slide with the good guys and these magic sets. I think it'll be just a twist for them to go toward the, the bad guys in this instance. As far as the storyline goes, with, I mean, it's been hinted at. I don't follow the uh, like books, but in the, the art, Karn's going to be a player. And that'd be a nice twist, is him as the leader of Phyrexia, to bring him back that way. Who is Karn? Who is Karn? Who is Karn? A silver golem? Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody else that knows more about the uh, storyline can divulge everything I know is from the just card art and flavor text. Uh, Karn was a golem that Urza made way back when, and uh, he eventually, went, you know, since he was like a, a golem, he eventually became a planeswalker, and he's the one that created Mirrodin. And yeah, so I guess he's returned to the plane and got captured, so he's being converted to evil. And what in Mirrodin he's, he's on at least three three cards in the artwork, possibly more. He's also been in a lot of older cards, too. I mean, they have a corn card if you want to go look him up on decks. Yeah, one thing they don't have is a Karn Planeswalker. Yeah, which yeah. Is. Isn't he a legal commander for, for commander decks, though? Artifact commander? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of people building around him. And he's featured in, what, Guilty Contents, uh, Distant Memories... Corrupted conscience? Yeah. Well, before I knew this about um, Suture Priest... <laughs> no, really, because I had heard that Mark Rosewater had tweeted on... Tweeted, obviously, 
on Twitter that there would be no infect in the third set. I still thought it would be like new Phyrexia, but I thought it would be like a transformed Phyrexia, somehow influenced by Mirrodin. You know what I'm saying? Say like a new Phyrexia? Yeah, like a like a new Phyrexia. <laughs> Not like the old one, but like a new one. That makes sense, though, because isn't poison as a mechanic is just flavored because it's trying to convey the idea that the Phyrexians are trying to take over whatever they touch. And you would think that if they actually win the last war, they won't have to need, they don't even need poison anymore because everything will already belong to them. So, I mean, either way, they, I, mean, they, I will admit they have set up the story for it to be as ambiguous as possible because I can definitely see them going either way. And I gotta say, that's kind of cool to, uh, you know, that's kind of cool to bring the storyline into the card set. I don't even really care about the storyline, but, you know, to blend it in like that is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that as well, because, I, you know, I have read all the books, and the books have kind of disappeared over time. It's gotten, I think, worse in quality. And I think the re- part of the reason is that they've tried to move away from that and integrate the story more into the cards themselves rather than forcing people to go out and read a book. <laughs> yeah, but that's cool. I've actually have enjoyed, well, I don't know, I haven't really been there that often, but I have really loved seeing, like, the evolution of, like, the Mirrodin, the, 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 like, the, their Flash website that has the two factions there and all the, like, little lore and screenshot things they put on there. I just think this whole, like, campaign really is more geared toward new players, and I think that's the kind of thing that new players like. Well, I think just in general it brings attention to the game. Yeah. Yeppers. That was a pretty I good thought we had a good conversation. I agree, yeah. The event decks. I don't know, some of those are actually, they're not bad. I don't know if, I'm not sure whether they actually, I haven't done the math with those. Actually added up the value of the individual cards and seeing whether or not it actually be worth it just to purchase them individually or in the event pack itself. Oh no, I, d- I, how many Stoneforge Mystics I are did in that. There? I bought Into the Breach because I was already going to buy Goblin Guide, which is, would be about 20 bucks. And they cost twenty four ninety nine, so so not bad. And the white one comes with four mystics, so you pretty much make your money on just those. It has four of them in there, I believe so. Yeah, was it? That would mean you could buy a bunch of those and just keep reselling just the Stoneforge mystics and make a profit until they drop again. Wasn't that that was Rise of the Eldrazi? We exploited that on, right? Yeah, it was. So I'm not seeing Stoneforge mystic in here. I looked up the list online, and I saw people with a screenshot of the decks, and I thought I saw four on one of them. I just, like, load them up as a deck file, and I'm going to look them up. Uh, let me look. I think it's in the other one. It's in... Let's see. It's in the X-Dol. Because one of them... Oh, no, 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 no. No, I don't, I don't mean the legacy decks. I mean the event decks. Into the uh, breach. You know what? For some reason, I was pretty sure they had one of the Mirrodin besieged event decks that had. But I guess uh, they don't. I'm looking at it now and they don't see it. black, blue, and the others red. So they yeah. really fucked up if they put in a Stone Forge Mystic. But I bought the red one because, I, I mean, there's two Goblin Guides and a Contested War Zone. Yeah, it's not really much in the Infect one. Uh. Manators, let's see, Phyrexian Bat Mother, Consuming Vapors. Go for the throat. That's kind go of, for the throat. Yeah, we'll go for the throat, it's just an uncommon. Which event decks are you looking at? Well, my friend, if you'll go to the show notes, 
The link can be found in the Seraphim Forum under Podcast Mailbox. You'll see a post there with episode 14 and a link to the show notes. And if you follow the link to the show notes, in the show notes is a link to the event text. It's a link. I think it's a link. I think it's another link. Which, there's also links to the cards on those links, which take you to the gatherer. See, I definitely say the red one has the most value, probably. Most definitely. Goblin Guide's going to go down. Which it should. It's not worth that much money. Why is Goblin Guide going down? What did I miss? Because mm, it's in the uh, one of the two event decks that are coming out February 25th. There's also four of them in that, those legacy decks we were talking about. And the Stone Forge, there's three copies of it. Yeah, but you can't get those in paper. I don't think Goblin Guide's ten bucks in online. Is it? How much is it online? No, I, 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 just, I, just, I just thought we were an online clan, so we were talking about that. My apologies. <laughs> I, I'm sure <laughs> it'll be released online. I bet it will be. So there. They're about, they're about three to four dollars a piece on Magic Online. At least they were a few weeks ago. Yeah, so what's three stone for? Just like 36, and they cost 30 to buy the uh, the deck. That's not terrible. Get about your value out of those, just, just those three cards. In the legacy decks? If you're into the, in the legacy decks. Yeah, in the legacy one. Or even if you're just into Commander. I bought the Bowslinger deck basically just for like a bunch of the really hard to find commons and uncommons, like the um, Fire Blasts and Price of Progress and stuff. And I already had Goblin Guides. I just like sold the Goblin Guides for like. 25, 20, 26 tickets or something. And, um, and the, the deck itself costs like 30, so it's pretty decent. Yep. Alright, you guys want to do Crack Pack or? Crack it. Crack of the Siege. Alright, well, I got a Scars and Mirrodin pack here. Oh. I'm kidding. I got a Mirrodin Besiege pack. <laughs> you knuckleheads. You should read the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Who reads? That's plenty pasta. I would, but I was never taught how. Alright, so the first common is Spire Serpent. It's four and a blue, it's a three five, it has Defender and Metalcraft, plus two, plus two. Spire Serpent's actually not terrible. It's a decent wall in a control deck. And also you can become an attacker when you get Metalcraft. Actually pretty sweet. Awesome. We have one not terrible common. Next common is Master's Call. Two and a white. It's an instant. Put two 1-1 one, one colorless mirror artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield. Seems... I really like Master's Call. Alright, it's an instant, which is good, and it... It gives you two more counts towards your Metalcraft, which is, you know, you really need in a, if you're playing Metalcraft decks. It's a I great combat it. trick. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, one thing, I, a couple things with him, like this card today, actually, like, I got, some guy was swinging with his mirror, like, mana producer, thinking that he was going to get atta- an attack in, and I cast that and killed off all of his mirror. Plus, he's pretty sweet, like, when you do end of the turn, and then you use them for, like, Battlecry... But I guess the thing to consider here, though, is I haven't played a Mirrodin Besieged draft yet, so I'm not sure how high I would pick this card yet. It seems to be a pretty good utility card. And for the reasons you guys named Metalcraft, it, or it can be an instant blocker combat trick. 
you think of it this way, you got one artifact on the board already, your opponent plays some big threat, and that and you play that card in your turn, and, and it's also in your turn you play like gravitational blast or whatever it's called, and deal four damage to it, you know, and then you get to attack with two one ones in your turn. Galvanic blast, and I can see I can see this card. I don't know. I think I can see this card being like a third or fourth pick, probably. All right. The next uh, common is bladed sentinel, which is a two four for four. Um, you may spend one white mana, and bladed sentinel gains vigilance until end of turn. It's not bad and limited, but you definitely have to be running white, or it's not worth it. Yeah, it's and it's gonna be a late pick. It's on the low like on the low end of common playability. I had one in my sealed pool and I brought it in a couple of times against infect type decks that were really heavy on ground creatures. It's playable but just on the cusp of that. It's filler. Okay. Can I ask a question about Master's Call? So Sure. So if you play it in your opening main phase do the two mirrors have summoning sickness? Yes, they do. You yeah. play on your opponent's turn before you're up to You play it during their end step. Oh, right. Cool. Glad I asked. And Bladed Sentinel, you would have to activate its ability prior to the attack phase? No, you get it, uh, you get it, you get them pretty much do it any time... Well, no, you have to do it, yeah, you have to do it prior to the combat phase. You have to do it before, or, like, during the declare attack phase, before during that. All right. Thanks. Yep. And next comment is turn the tide. It's, uh, hey, Fracture. It's, uh, turn the tide is the next comment. It's one in a blue. It's an instant. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus zero until end of turn. How does that not sound like a traditional blue card? Blues actually had a lot of effects over the, over different sets that give creatures minus minus or minus attack, never minus defense. Yeah, there's actually wasn't there a trap in um, Zendikar that did that? Yep, Lethargy trap trap. Yeah, and there's also a card like favorite. You know, favorite. There's also a card in Shards of Lara that like it's an enchantment that gives all creatures all your opponent's creatures minus one attack. And there's Agony Warp, but. The black blue one that does both. That's what blues. Blue has a few combat tricks, but they're never destruction or plusing creatures. It's typically minusing your opponent's creatures. Power or turn power. them in, or turn them into things that are not like zero one sheeps. <laughs> yeah, I've actually I, I haven't played with this card particularly, but I have played against like like lethargy like traps, like cards that are similar in effect to this. And I usually, I don't think I've ever really played those type of effects. I just don't find, I also don't find them very, very good. But they can give you good trades every now and then. I'm looking at the art for it. The the creature in the foreground. Does that not look like Venom? It does. <laughs> he's trying to hide. This boy's got that cloak kind of covering him. <laughs> he's like, don't sue me for copyright infringement. I think for limited, this would definitely be a very late pick, but if you're running any sort of blue, it would be a good sideboard option. Uh, it's kind of like having its ability to like, save you for a turn and give you a few more chances to win the game. I think it would also be pretty sweet against like an Infect-type deck, just because you can like trade without worrying about your creatures being like killed or diminished just by taking care of their, their power. It's not, this like, is most of the just didn't have any low power, around two actually. So yeah, that's true, so let's see this as being a late pick. 
probably, I think I would most likely start this in the sideboard and bring it in against certain decks. Yeah, if you're playing blue, you would like to have at least one of these in the sideboard. Okay, and the next uh, common is Shriekhorn. It's uh, an artifact for one. Shriekhorn enters the battlefield with three charge counters on it. Tap it. Remove a charge counter from Shriekhorn. Target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Late pick. Pretty real late pick, but still, I wouldn't mind how, if I had room for it in a deck, you know, I would probably put it in, but like I said, you know, probably had to be a lot of room left. But, I don't know, Mills kind of good in um, limited just because of the fact your opponent is only playing with 40-card decks. Um, the one you said really it, which that was actually practical. I mean, you've got to pick this late, but I'm not saying it's real bomb. There's a card from black that allows you to take one of your opponent's creatures from their graveyard, put it under play under your control, and then remove it from the game at the end of your turn. Chris Moncourt. Indeed. There's also that blue card that puts a charge counter on an artifact at the beginning of your upkeep, which I could be good with this card. But overall, very, very late pick. Yeah, definitely very late pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, the only card, the only mill card I'd ever really consider playing most of the time would be, like, Grind Clock. We still need to have, like, I mean, I still would not really, really want to play that kind of card. That rare in the set, that mills for six cards and puts a poison counter on your opponent and makes him lose four life, that's actually pretty good. And limited. There's something on Tree Corn real quick. Uh, it's definitely a late pick, and I guess if you're struggling to get to Metalcraft. But, uh, Achoa. Ran three of these in one of his Rotor Limited and like played a, a mill strategy and I think he went 2-1 in that that phase of the tournament. Alright, so that does it for the Mirren half of our commons. Now on to the Phyrexian half. First one's Glissus Courier, which is a 2-3 for 1 and 2 green and it has Mountain Walk. Such a surprise... Anything with, anything with a Planeswalk is good. I mean, especially opposite against the opposite color, but um, I'd probably, if I had room, I'd probably main deck that just because there's a lot of, there's like, be a lot of red Minecraft decks running around your table most likely, and if there's not, just sideboard it out. Yeah, I actually think this one's pretty good. Um, I was I was playing Cost Courier earlier today, and it has Landwalk against uh, green, and I think that's a lot weaker because green sees a lot less play than red. I think the fact that this is Mountain Walks actually makes it pretty good. It's a hell of, hell of a color commitment, though. You have to be playing green to make this playable. You know, I just learned something. What did you just learn? Well, in a lot of ways, <laughs> the double mana is obvious. I, I haven't learned it. I just gained insight into it. I'm verbalizing it. The double mana is worse the lower the mana goes. So, I mean, if this were three and two green, it would be a little less cumbersome in terms of having to go to forest, wouldn't it? But also, yeah. it's not very playable. It was five mana for a two-three. No, I'm not. Yeah, I don't mean that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You mean to say if it was a two colorless and a one... You're saying if it was like something like Acidic Slime, where it's two green, three colorless, you'd definitely get a better benefit from it. It would be easier to play. And a three-drop slot, if you're only, if you're not heavy green, you're not going to be wanting this card. If you're splashing green, 
Because you'd have to wait a lot more towards green earlier. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, Thanks, like, you know, if, you, if you're playing, Thanks, you're Pasta. not going to have a lot of the same color lands or playing two color deck in the early game. Like, if something costs two red on it, it's two drop. You're probably not going to have two melons on turn two, most likely. Like, a similar similar card that requires the kind of commitment is, like, Leatherback Baylaw. The fact that it takes three green to play it. That's why it has such a huge advantage of being a four, five, or three. It's because if you're going to play it, you have to be green. So... That's because like so, okay, we'll just say that the idea is like a two-three with a land walk is actually a pretty strong card, and the only way they can like make that like balance it out is to make it hard to cast and make you commit to a certain color. Yeah, that's cool. The next Phyrexian common is Flare Husk. It is a piece of equipment for one, and equipped cost of two. It's a living weapon, and equipped creature gets plus one plus one. It's nothing really fancy. I mean, it's a one-one for one that. Later on, becomes a plus one plus one equipment, and uh, and it's, it's pretty it's pretty cheap and efficient as as far as equipments go. So I mean, it's a decent pick. I mean, not not real high, not real low, but yeah, living weapons good all around. The only thing I dislike about this card is I think it should have been a one to equip. I don't know, that would have been nice. I think I'd rather get out turn one and play it than um than having to wait turn two. Well, I'm saying from the standpoint of after the creature dies, that germ's easy to get rid of. I mean, Trusty Machete's a one-drop, but it gives two to the front end. Same equip cost. True, but it costs more mana to put out initially. I mean, and they're giving you a creature to equip to it, so they got to make them kind of overpriced for what they do, you know. Just like Magic always does, they make, whenever they have anything with kind of fancy kind of extra ability, you always got to pay more for it. Well, like, how does this compare to Strider Harness? Which is cost three and one to equip. You get plus one, plus one, and it has haste. I mean, how would you compare the two? I personally would rather have a flare husk. Yeah. I mean, the thing you got to consider is, like, if you don't have any creatures on the board, then your flare harness essentially is useless. That's one thing to consider, which makes flare husk kind of superior. The other thing is, like, if you do have, let's say you do have one creature on the board, you have to pay four mana in order to actually put the harness out and then equip it, and you only get plus one ability to it, whereas Flare Husk is just one mana, you get a 1-1 creature. Yeah, but the point of Strider Harness is to throw it out there and then initially use it after you drop a creature. Exactly. So, I mean, they both have... I mean, mean, what makes Strider Harness the card it is is the fact that it has... gives the creature haste, the way it takes... pretty much you can pay one extra for any of your creatures and automatically give a case plus, plus one, plus one. Overall, it's a pretty strong card. But I just feel like, I, for me, like I hate drawing equipment and then not having anything to cast it on. And that's kind of what you get a lot of times when you have Strider Harness. I say I do agree with uh, that the living is our ability. The next Phyrexian common is Tangle Hulk. It is five colorless mana for, f- it's five, three. Five colorless mana. Pay two and a green, and regenerate Tungle Hulk. Definitely, I think it's pretty good. I mean, beaters are good and limited, and the fact it's got regeneration. You said regeneration, right? Yeah, for two and a green. Yeah, that that just makes it even better. I mean, I mean, it is kind of a high regeneration cost, but I don't know. Seems like a pretty good beater for limited. I I grouped this with the the vigilance artifact from earlier. It's better. If you need that 5-drop with the 
fat end. And your deck, take it, put, don't take it early. Yeah, in this format, five, six, seven drops are so easy to find. You're going to have too many of those as it is. The uh, next Phyrexian Commonant is Steel Sabotage, which is uh, one blue. It's an instant. Choose one, counter target artifact spell, or return target artifact to its owner's hand. Uh, this is a good, I mean, this is the artifact based set we're talking about here, so I'd probably. Yeah. Not a real, not a super high pick. I don't know, probably like around, probably around the table once or twice, but I would definitely take it, you know, just as an option if I was playing blue. That's a good card. Yeah, if I was, if I was playing blue, I'd probably main deck at least one of these. Yeah, it's a sideboard card that you always know that you know is always going to be useful in the main, in the main deck. You know. Actually, it was. Uh, I did get my. Uh, one of my, like my big artifact cards countered today. I was playing with the Mind Slaver, and I had it still sabotaged. Just the fact that I can counter one or destroy one is even better, because you know, there's some artifacts you don't even want them hitting the board, because they have come into playability, so you don't even want them touching the board. You know, these kind of cards, you just got to consider like, the, the value of it. Like, a lot of times you can wait and like counter like a five or six drop artifact for one, which is pretty strong value. The uh, last... Common is Flinzermite. It's a 1-1 one, one for 1 and a black. It has Infect and Lifelink. Oddly enough. it's I think it's like one of the, the earliest drop Infect creatures out there, huh? So, I mean, it's got that going for it. It's, I don't know, it's, if, you're, if you're playing Infect, you kind of need it. You need as many Infect creatures as you can get. And they're kinda, they'd probably be hard to come by in most drafts. So it's probably a decent pick. Lifelink and Limited is never fact. bad. But it's not really good either. Not not in this format. I'm just saying, though, if you're trying to play a dedicated infect deck, you're gonna need you want as many creatures as you can. So you know, you probably you'll probably end up picking this up because there's nothing else better in the pack. They go with the desert strategy. Well, I mean, if you're playing besiege scars scars, this is gonna be a super late pick. There's gonna be better stuff for you before you're gonna pick this up. Yeah, oh yeah. Totally. Not like saying this is worth it at all. I think this is one of the worst infect guys actually. Yeah, I agree. And our first... Go ahead. I was going to say Play Stricker is so much better. 2-1-1-1 flyer for 2. Yeah. I'd almost rather have a Vector Asp than a Flincer Might. Yeah. And our first uncommon is... Um, Fidalkin Infuser? Did I say Vidalkin or Fidalkin? Or Vatalkin? Or Fidalkin? Fidalkin Infuser. It's a one... F- Fidalkin. Yeah. Fidalkin it is. From here on out, it's Fidalkin. One and a four for three and a blue. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on target artifact. If you build around him, he's decent, but not a high pick. About the best thing I really see him with is if you pull a Titan Forge. Really. I don't know. I can see him being pretty sweet with a Tumble Magnet. Very true. A tumble magnet, uh... Necrogen sensor? Yeah, necrogen sensor. Do you happen to pull a Lux Cannon in your draft? I don't know, I kind of feel like the value is best when you have an artifact that just goes counter by counter, like tumble magnet or necrogen sensor would, so you can just kind of infinitely block them down or steal their life. In some ways, like, it kind of reminds me of Venerated Teacher from uh, Rise. Not quite as bomby, but still kind of one of those utility cards that are good in the right deck. Decent with the Trigons as well, but still late pick, I think. 
Yeah, with Trigons, that would be good. See, the only thing with that is just, uh, by picking this guy early, if you were to, because he is decent, I think we've named many cards he works with, you don't know what you're getting as far as those uh, Trigons, Tumble Magnets, Lux Cannons, what have you go. Well, you're going to see those. I mean, you're right. You're not going to know what you have. But... Are you, are, are you going to see the ones you want, though? Oh. You know what <laughs> These, these, these kind of cards you usually you pick up after the fact, you know, after you've already picked your tone magnet, because this guy will yeah, people around. You don't have that option. Yeah. Mirrored and Siege is going to be first. I think I think those I actually were partially right. I think if you do pick up Velvet and Infuser, you can be pretty certain you're going to see at least a Negrogen Sensor, probably a Tumble Magnet, perhaps, and maybe one or two Trigons, even though, like Pasta said, you're not sure if you're going to get the Trigon you actually want. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you can pick this guy up and expect to get good cards with him. The sensor's almost a guarantee. Everything after that's... You're going to see Trigons, but if it's going to be the Trigon you want, is the gamble. And Tumble Magnet's a gamble as well, unless you early, early pick it up. Because you have junk in the rest of your packs. I see this guy being a pretty solid third or fourth pick. I mean, he's not... Even if you don't have that many like artifacts to take advantage of, he's still a 1-4, which is not terrible. And a controller's type deck. But playing blue, you can get your uh, Sea Striders all day long. Also true. Okay, and the next uh, uncommon is Into the Core, which is two and a red. It's an instant exile to target artifacts. Strong card. Um, sideboard material are just like Steel Sabotage. can easily be main deck against you know, most decks you'll probably see. You do have to have two... You do actually have to have two targets to hit this with, which I will throw that out there, which kind of makes it a little weaker, because if, if you only have one artifact you want to kill, then you're kind of screwed on that fact, but it's still a good card. I, I could see this card being definitely main deck. I mean, I could even see it being, like, first or second pick, just because it's, it's awesome. Like, I always main deck. Like, you main deck in white, you main deck Divine Offering, you main deck, um, what's it called? Forgot the name. Revoke. Revoke it, yeah, Revoke Existence. Those are the kind of cards I, I always main deck in white. And those are all pretty high picks. And this just getting, like, two and also exiling them, it's just, it just seems sweet to me. And wasn't, is this card a reprint of, uh, not a, maybe not a reprint, but that's the same effect as one of the cards in ME4? Yeah, Dust to Dust. I played that card a lot, always main deck, whenever I had that in ME4. And I don't think this card is that much different in this format, in particular, where there's a lot of Probably just about as much artifacts as there are in any four. I mean, this card, I think this card has even seen, probably even seen some sideboard play in um, standard, you know, at one point in that amount. Against all these equipment decks out there. It's, it'd be a tough call. I mean, so far, I think what we've seen in this pack, this would probably be my pick. But cards like this, or the, the dust to dust, I'm always a little apprehensive to take just because sometimes I'd like my opponent to have them, because guess what? I'm not playing any artifacts. Only to consider that you did take this card. It is the only red card in the pack so far. Yep. That's, uh, like I said, so far from what we've seen in this pack, this would be my pick. All right. We have a commitment from Pasta. And our next, uh, our last uncommon is uh, Quilled Slagworm, which is an 8-8 eight, eight for 4 and 3 green. These guys are always, like, last, like one of the last picks. Not to say they're bad, necessarily. But... You could take this and spend that mountain walk guy. Yeah, the only uh, problem I see with this guy is there isn't really much mana ram in this set. 
there's uh, a one good artifact and it comes into play tapped. What about Sphere of the Suns? I think that's what I'm referring to. It comes into play with char counters. You can tap it for one of any color. It comes into play tapped. Does it? I haven't checked. I do believe so. Yeah, you're right. I think this card might make it into like the dinosaur green deck, but seven, seven's pretty high for a card that's just the vanilla big creature. If you're playing mono green dinosaurs, you'd like to have it, but you'll probably got it. You'll have a few chances to grab one late. This is almost you'd have to be mono green dinosaurs, definitely. I don't know. I mean, my turn, my I turn like eight, nine, ten. Probably when you're going to be playing this card anyway, you might have the three green sources anyway. But do you want to be seeing this sitting in your hand for eight to nine turns? You know what I mean. No, I agree, but, I mean, even if I was mono green and I was, I still had it in my opening hand, it'd still be sitting there for at least seven turns. True. If I was playing two colors, though, I don't think I would run this guy. But, like, like you said earlier, there's much, there's a, there's a lot of high drops with big bots you can cast. And we've got a pretty good rare here. Contested Warzone. Controversial. Because I don't really think it's a good rare in so I think it will be pretty sweet and constructed, at least in some decks. Uh, I think it's hard to swallow for limited, but it will be a good card later, as you said. Yeah, I would take it just based on cash value. Five ticks. It went from, it went, it went from 7 five cents one day to $7 the next day, so I mean, in paper, so it's, it's got to be good. And there's already mono red and artifact decks there, just whooping hands with this. As far as limited goes, I'm sticking with the end of the court. Yeah, seconded. I don't really pack, I take the Warzone, but otherwise I'd take the end of the core. Oh, if I was, yeah, I'd probably take the rare just because it's money, or at least paper it is. But um, as far as, like, playability, I'd probably go with the Steel Sabotage or the Master's Call, but either one of those. So those are both playable, uh, like, with my pick on that end of the core. It, that's the only red card. You can get a chance to force red pretty good if you go after it this early with a decent card. Yeah, I think I think if I was going to choose two of the cards, it'd be either Master's Call or another card, because Master's Call actually is the only other card also. So either way, you can choose red or white and be cutting off one of the colors. But that said, the red-white tends to go together, so we were, I think it'd be safer to take the end of the core, which is a harder card to pick up than Master's Call, which is a common. And yeah, end of the core seems pretty solid. If those two were to go up against each other, end of the core destroys Master's Call. True. And end of the core is an instant, which makes it awesome. I just noticed that. So they can cast their Master's Call at instant speed, and then you can answer back by casting an end of the core to send those two mirror tokens to hell. <laughs> Exactly. Then your opponent's jaw drops. My 1-1 one, one tokens. Ah! I wasted my whole turn for that. Dykex, do you have like a, a booster box that you just grab these crack-a-packs from? Mm-hmm. Do another one. I'm out, guys. We're going to be here all night cracking packs. Do them, too. <laughs> I think one's enough. Song's done. Join us next <laughs> week for Mirrored and Besieged Crack-a-Pack. I just don't want it to get repetitive. Oh, I, we didn't need to comment. I mean, you can just tear into these things. <laughs> tell, you, tell you the good ones. Just open them and tell us they're rare. <laughs> go. Yeah, go. Go. <laughs> go. You can do it.
Speaking of crappy uh, packs, though, I was talking, or I was telling Pasta that uh, the new version of Skype lets you do a uh, conference call with video. Now I was telling him about that earlier before you got here when you were exercising. Oh, ouch! So, ouch. Yeah, what? We need to do a team sealed or a draft with three people or more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get like twenty of these goofballs in there. Do a podcast as a draft. <laughs> Time out on every single pick. <laughs> Alright, let's do this. 20 minutes later. We just be out of the draft. Oh, look, we're going to make that one for us. You'd end up with so a random like, deck. But die packs, that would keep us on topic, though, because we have a time limit. Like, we like, we have exactly three minutes to talk about this. Hurry. What's the name of this podcast? That's what I was going to ask. Earlier. Whatever you said earlier. What we say earlier. I don't think you were here yet. Pasta said it. What did I say? I don't remember it now. It was like two hours ago. But it was good. <laughs> I don't... Was Did I say it in the intention of naming a podcast? Cause I don't believe so. No, that's what makes it a potential name. Were you recording earlier? Because I sure as heck don't know what you're talking about. You will when the podcast is posted. Oh, I have a question. Are you listening? <laughs> How could I not listen? Hey, man, I had a okay. question. Ask you a question. All right, are you going to stick to your word if, if I'm on a podcast that Sanford and Sons is Fuck our theme yeah. song? Holy shit, a zombie's attacking me in the middle of the ocean. Hit it with your stone axe. I think I'm smacking it with an arrow. I'm confused what's going on. Get your stone axe out. I don't He's have a stone axe. He's playing Minecraft, the, uh, a very addictive and silly 8-bit game. Oh, okay. I thought we needed to call the Coast Guard or something. <laughs> I think I killed it. I can't see anything here. Light your torch. You only think... I don't have a torch. I literally just started. You only think you killed it. And you started in a boat in the ocean? That's a weird server, dude. No, my brother told me to build a boat so I can take it over to his island. And now he's trying to come back and find me. <laughs> your brother didn't have a roller coaster to his island? What kind of brother is that? Oh, my God. I love listening to like people talk about a game you have no idea about not knowing it's a game. Like, occasionally I'll, like, come across some people at work and they're talking about, like, Call of Duty or something. I blasted this guy in the head with an AK-47 last night. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, holy shit. We were, back 20 years ago or 25 years ago, I'm telling myself, we were sitting in Crystals one night about 3 a.m. Uh, talking about Dungeons and & Dragons and plotting to kill some guy. Oh. And the manager, the manager's eyes got really big and I think he was about to call the cops on us until he explained it was just a game. Why wow, my boat is going away from me? Oh, yeah, because cause they everybody thinks you're crazy when you they, when you're on Bluetooth. Like, why is that guy talking to himself? Is he talking to me? Am I crazy? What's going on? That's why I think uh, broken Bluetooth. You should just we should give them to the homeless. <laughs> they can walk around with it. That's a pretty good idea, actually. Oh man, we should start a drive. Give it to the mentally ill, you know, so that way they don't, you know, no one knows that they're mentally ill. Exactly. 
be all on there and just talking. We own the third. I've got 17 cans coming your way. Potato salad. <laughs> I mean, how, how, many, how many people that actually have Bluetooth do we do not know if they're crazy or not? Two. Exactly. Are they? No, I think it's more than that. It's probably like three. Hey, Pastor, that sounded, what you just said, sounded eerily natural. <laughs> Were you channeling or something? No, it's it's pure schizophrenia, my friend. Do all of you have schizophrenia or just one? Oh, three. I shouldn't see the numbers tonight. Hey, everyone. That's bad whenever your multiple personalities have multiple personality disorder. Hey, Eldridge. Hey, look, it's a rooster. Can you give me a platinum a angel foil, please? Please. Me too. Please. Can I have a Jace 2.0 foil? Please. Please. Song's like, what are these guys on? Song, are you, we are, okay, um, I got my Tesserets. We are initiating a Bluetooth for Homeless program. Really? Oh shit, yeah. they hear a zombie. Yeah, yes. and... Uh, we're at, we need some web support. We're trying to reduce the stigma of mental illness. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm running around here trying to avoid whatever zombies near me. Potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for episode 14 of The Voice of Seraphim, Potato Salad. I'd like to thank my co-host, Eldritch Song, our special guest, Pastafarian, Scorch Thrasher, Avenged, and Easy Pickens for joining me. Join us for the next recording of The Voice of Seraphim next Saturday, February 19th at 9 p.m. Seraphim time. This is Dicax, and you've been listening to The Voice of Seraphim. <laughs>